Mike had a heart attack. It was pretty severe. In fact, the doctor told he and his wife that he shouldn't get too excited or you shouldn't surprise him for a couple of months. The problem was that his wife found out that one of the lotto tickets that he bought was a winner and he won $4 million. Wouldn't you like to have a problem like that? She didn't know what to do for days. She wondered, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll call the pastor. Pastors handle grief and loss, and he's really good at calming people down. And so she called the pastor. pastor shows up, goes to the den. Mike's watching TV. Pastor said, you know, Mike, we've been friends for years, and I've just got this. I've got a question for you. And, and Mike said, anything for you, pastor. Now, you got a lot of love congregational members like that. <laughs> Anything for you, Pastor. Mike was just that kind of guy. He said, well, i got a theoretical question in regard to Christian stewardship and giving. He said, uh, <clears throat> said Mike, you know, what would you do if you won $4 million? And Mike immediately said, well, Pastor, I'd give $2 million to the church. And the pastor had a heart attack. Is your heart all right? Is your heart all right? Someone said, it is the heart that makes man rich. He he is rich according to what he is, not according to what he does. Let me say that again. It is the heart that makes a man rich. He is rich according to what he is, not according to what he does. Do you believe that? I hope you do. And if you're joining us this morning online, we're glad that you're joining with us. You didn't decide to brave the blizzard of 21. But, but we just want you to know we love you, and you may be in your comfortable chair or your couch drinking coffee or hot chocolate and enjoying the morning. And we just want to say we miss you, we love you, and thanks for joining us And it is a matter of the heart. So Jesus has something to do about this matter of of heart and treasure. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, this is what Jesus has to say. And I think we need to take Jesus seriously. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, as I've read the Bible many times in many ways and many translations, this has always puzzled me. Well, how can you put treasure into heaven when we're here on earth? And the Apostle Paul kind of shares this as well in his epistles, but in particular in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, this is what he says. He says, as for the rich in this present age, and folks, I hate to break it to you, and maybe you don't know, but you are rich. Top 95% of the world, we are rich and in this present age. Charge them not to be haughty. I would say that we ought to be humble nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. And knowing that our riches are uncertain, 
but on God who richly provides us everything to enjoy. Why do we have it? So that we can enjoy it. But he says, he goes on to say, Paul says this, he says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. And he's talking about treasure again in heaven so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I want to take hold of that which is truly life. I want you to be able to take hold of that which is truly life. Jesus talks about that when he talks about the abundant life that we receive. So that makes me ask this question, where are you storing up your treasure? And where are you investing? I like to talk to to people about investing. I like that. I like to make money and have a return on investment. But there's an investment beyond this life that matters most, according to what Jesus says and what Paul says. But then let's just go back to Jesus for a moment to complete that passage in verse uh, 21 of Matthew chapter 6. Here's what Jesus says, and he cuts us to the quick. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I had somebody ask me, he said, well, Chris, am I supposed to give everything I have after last week's message? And I said, no, no, just, just a part of it. What, just what your heart leads you And then I've had people say, well, well, Chris, why do you preach four weeks, three or four weeks every year on giving? I said, well, I'm not really doing Jesus justice because Jesus, one out of every six verses in the Gospels are about giving. Because Jesus knew where our hearts tend to lean toward, the materialism the, the, the accumulation that, that, that we can easily, myself and you all as well, can get caught up in. But Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 12, and he's talking to his followers in verse 35. He says this, The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So we can have good treasure and evil treasure at the same time. But it really matters about where our hearts are. So the question again is, is your heart all right? How is your heart? The Apostle Paul, we talked about this last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, says this. The point is this. I love it when the Apostle Paul just says, here's the point of all of this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so our desire should be in our accumulation of wealth and our riches, that as we have more, we give more. And and that's the purpose, to help others, to do good. And so most people can be categorized by their hearts as givers or takers. 
But I, I want you to think about this organ that beats inside your body. Just put your hand over your heart for a second and listen to your heart. It beats without us thinking about it. Isn't that wonderful? But what happens is, as it receives blood in one valve, it pumps blood out of the other valve, and it goes into all of our body. And, and that system is a system of giving. And, and if it held in any location, if it were held and it wasn't sent out, then we wouldn't live. And it happens automatically inside of us. And so, too, our hearts, spiritually, should be the type that give and not hold on to. Now, we have to invest in the future. We have to save for retirement. We have to do all of those things to give, to save, and to live. But don't miss the point. And then Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 6, or actually it's verse 9, uh, or chapter 9, verse 7, as, as he continues this thought, he says this, this and I, I want to point this out, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So who decides? At this time of year, we can be overwhelmed with the giving opportunities. And, and really it comes down to your personal relationship with God and the Holy Spirit sending a message inside of you and you choosing to obey or disobey according to as you make that decision. But, but it is not to be under compulsion, but it is to be directed by your heart and the Holy Spirit. And that is because people give to where their heart is. That's what Jesus just said. That, that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. The generous giver is prompted to give by seeing a need and being touched by it. And so it is a matter of the heart, an open hand, an open heart. And they should respond, generous givers respond to a need and not to pressure. And so I want you to put your mind in neutral in your life. And, and, and you may say, well, Chris, you're pressuring me today. You, you, you're always about giving. No, just take that away. Go to neutral, not for or against, and let the Spirit of God move inside of you to work to do His will. Not my will, not your will, but His will. And the question again is, is your heart all right? Is your heart all right? Now, this is this next verse that I'm sharing with you, I, I find fascinating because I've heard this all my life. And there's going to be a Bible quiz here in a moment. So just, just, just listen to me. If you turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 35, here's, here's what Luke, the writer of Acts, shares. He says, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, and this is the Apostle Paul, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how many of you have heard that before? That Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how many of you, let me ask you this, 
Is there any time that Jesus says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, it is more blessed to give than receive? Anybody? How many say it's in the Gospels? I don't want to embarrass you. How many of you say it's not in the Gospels? Raise your hand. Okay. It's not there. The only time that is recorded that Jesus said is more blessed to give than receive is in the book of Acts. So it must have been passed down through oral, oral tradition or through the apostles that they remembered that Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So why give? Why give? So first of all, we want to give to advance the kingdom of God. We give a lot of money to world missions. And what I like about our missions team is they invest what we have given into areas where they have never heard the gospel or where the gospel, the harvest, is great. And so that money is multiplied and given to change the world for the kingdom of God. Also, again, in mission. We give to rescue the perishing. For those that never hear the name of Jesus Christ, who never hear a gospel sermon preached, that there is a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, that, that your sin might be forgiven. No other religion. There is nothing in comparison to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he lives forever. Every other Religious leader is dead in the grave, but not Jesus Christ. We give to meet the world's greatest needs, whether it's water in Africa or, or food in East Asia. We give to help people that are hungry, that are physically thirsty, to receive not only their physical needs met, but, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, we give locally as well as globally. We give to change a county for Christ. We give to, to, to change a region of the Wabash Valley for Christ to be the salt and the light. We're not the only church in the valley that does that, but we are one of ch many churches that give to make a difference. And finally, we give to God what belongs to God. We are just managers. We are just stewards. What we've been given, everything comes from him, and, and, and is given for him that we might share. And the question then becomes, again, is your heart all right? Now, I, I want to introduce to you a couple of people that are pretty important to me, personally. And, and I want to share with you that as I preach... I also live, try to live a generous life. It's been difficult at times. I, I, I've told you before that I've always given, and I'm a storehouse giver, I'm a tither, and, and I give over and above to our church. And I'm not bragging. I just feel like I have to share with you that so that you know that, that what I, what I share, I actually live in belief. I give to different organizations that make a difference, and I'm careful because I want to return on my investment. I want to place treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt. But sometimes in doing all of that, and I'm not, again, not, not bragging, I just feel like you need to hear and see a living example, and I wouldn't want to do it 
I, I mean, I wouldn't want to not do it because of God's promises that I know I receive and will receive. But here is how it gets personal for me. I've got two pictures. The one on the left is Robert. Both these pictures are from Uganda. And I, I, I've supported a compassion child. Robert is 22 years old. I've supported him, helped support him for 16 years. And, and through those 16 years, I've gotten to know Robert. We've exchanged letters. And I wrote my last letter and, and invested into his life. He's into a four-year engineering program, and he's got two years more to go. <coughs> and I love Robert. I've never met him, only via letter. And when I wrote my last letter to Robert, I just said, I'm not going to ever meet you physically in this life. But if you're faithful to Jesus Christ, I will meet you in the next life. And I look forward to that day. Now, Compassion International. Compassion International. This is Elias. He's two years old. He's my new child. Our new child. And I get to invest in his life. I haven't even written the first letter to him yet. Not that he could read it, but his single mom can read that. And, and, and I'm looking forward to getting to know Elias. And so for me, this is a way for me, and I know this is selfish, to see something personal occur through my giving. And sometimes maybe you get lost in that. But it's a heart thing that I get, I get to do, and it makes a difference. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm just praying. And I, what, what's so cool, now with Robert, I never received this, or I don't remember receiving it, but I got a letter from Elias's pastor who told me that they're involved in the church and they're hearing the gospel. And I don't know if El, Elias is going to make a decision for Christ or not, but I tell you what, when he does, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change my life. Now that's selfish for me. When we, when we can make a difference personally, 7,000 miles or across globally with one life, to me that matters. Because we can't do for everyone. We get bombarded by everything, don't we? And we get tired. We get tired. And, and, and there's a, a, what I would say, a, a compassion fatigue that happens sometimes in our lives when we just say we can't do anything. Folks, that's a lie. Do what you can as best you can and give from the heart. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 through 20. I'm reading through Ezekiel right now, and I struggle sometimes. If you're reading through the Bible in the year Ezekiel, he's super wordy, and it's long. Uh, But it's worth reading because it's the Word of God. But he says in verses 19 and 20, of uh, chapter 11, he says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will put within them, I remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Now, this is prophecy from the Old Testament. This occurred on in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached the first gospel sermon after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came upon among his people, and in that 
moment that they believed the Holy Spirit came king in their lives and changed their hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. When we see people come to Christ, confess Him as Lord and Savior, and, and, and get saved, are baptized into Him, there's a heart change, an operation of transformation because the Spirit of God now resides in them. And God replaces that heart of stone with that heart of flesh of the Spirit. Folks, our hearts are important in relationship to God. And He does a mighty work inside of us, inside of every one of you, to give you a heart of flesh, to be led by the Spirit. Again, the question is, how is your heart? Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful that you give us a heart of flesh, that you give us a heart of compassion, not because we are a compassionate people, but because you make us a compassionate people through your transformation, through your Holy Spirit as you work inside of us. And Father, we just thank you for your grace, for your love, for your compassion that drove Jesus to the cross to give his life for us. And Father, we're thankful for making us rich, so, so very rich, Lord, that, that, that we can give. And Father, I just pray that you would guide our hearts, that we would have good hearts. And Father, that you would bless us and show us as we test you and you prove yourselves to us over and over again. Father, for those that are far from you, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, for those that are watching online today, that that haven't made a decision for you, that are just checking us out and checking and bumping the tires of Christianity and and the Lord Jesus Christ, for those that have been broken and, and, and hurt by churches and Christians that that are trying to find their way back to you. I just pray, Father, that that you would make a way and that you would draw them near to you. And Father, for those that need to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I just pray that you would do your work that only you can do to change lives, to change hearts, to change minds, Father, by your Spirit. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory because you're going to do greater things than what we can imagine. Father, we trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.